the optimal life. Right. How are you doing today? Doing well. Good to connect. Yeah, likewise. So how did this all start for you? I know it's been almost a decade ago. You're sitting around and going, hmm, I'm not really fulfilled with what I'm doing. Uh, where did this all begin? Uh, the side hustle show, like all that stuff? Yeah, just this whole thought of side hustle nation. Yeah, it was kind of born out of a couple different reasons. Number one was my own experience in having starting and grown a, a part-time business up until the point of being able to quit my job, which I did uh, several years before starting the blog and podcast. And then second thing was like, you know, the narrative out of Silicon Valley was, uh, you know, an entrepreneur is somebody who jumps off the cliff and figures out how to build their parachute or build their airplane or something on the way down. It's like, that sounds terrifying. And that isn't super realistic for a lot of people who have families and obligations and these other commitments in life. It's like, no, there's an alternative path, start something low risk, start it on the side, build it up, and then let that be the thing. Let that be your airplane. Let that be your parachute versus this, you know, putting all this pressure of uh, burning the ships on it. What were you doing at the time for your full career? So I worked for Ford uh, straight out of school where I was a manufacturer's rep uh, to their dealers on the service and parts side of the business, the car business, fascinating business. Some of these dealers that I would call on, you know, had been in business for generations. They had their charters signed by Henry Ford himself. And it, it was really cool, but I had very little desire to be the person to climb the corporate ladder and always knew I was looking for something, looking for a way out. The escape vehicle for me was pretty random. It was a comparison shopping site for shoes back in the day that uh, would pull in the catalogs from Zappos and Amazon and all these other online footwear retailers and tell you where you could get the best price on your next pair of shoes. Mm. What was it, uh, Nick, that was driving you? What was, what was the feelings like? If you think back almost 10 years ago, when you're in your career, you're, you're making a living, you're, you're kind of just going through the motions, going through the days. What were the feelings? What, if you can kind of summarize it, where was the lack? Where did you feel unfulfilled, et cetera? Do you remember those feelings? I mean, I think everybody kind of goes through something similar where you're just like doing the same thing day after day. And I was, and I was blessed in a way because with the day job, no two days were alike. And so that was kind of cool. It was always driving someplace else, talking to different people. But even then, you kind of like find yourself living for the weekend, which actually a coworker of mine who, you know, was a couple years older, that's how he described this job. You know, I'm on the road, you know, four or five days a week, you're living for the weekend. It's like, that sucks. <laughs> like, that's like, that sounds awful. There's got to be an alternative. There's got to be. And, and the weekend uh, is path. literally 24 hours if you think about it, because it's Friday night to Saturday night. Because <laughs> <laughs> Sunday you're morning, in. you're going, holy, tomorrow's Monday again. I got to do this all over again. Yeah. Um, it was I just wanted to be in control of my own calendar, working corporate, even though my, you know, my boss was never the person who was like, you know, no, when you ask for time off or ask for, you know, can I take, you know, but it just felt uh, like diminishing in a way to have to ask somebody else like, Hey, can I take this next Friday off or something? And, you know, again, never said no, never had any issues with that. It just, it just didn't just rub me the wrong way to like not be in control of my time. So you end up doing the, you said the first thing was a, a online shoe platform that you got yes. involved with okay and and yeah. then from there how do you start going how do you start i assume you're starting to build other side hustles along the way and then ultimately you get to this this side hustle nation where you're kind of helping other people how, how did that process 
come about? Yeah, so I quit my job in 2008 to run the full the shoe business full time. Um, started a bunch of other side projects on the side from that. That most of which, for the sake of disclosure, didn't really go anywhere. A couple of them stuck around. One was a virtual assistant uh, directory and review platform that I sold in 2020, and then the other one started in 2013 was Side Hustle Nation and the Side Hustle Show podcast. Now, real and- quick, sorry to interrupt you, Nick. Yeah. Let me ask you this. You mentioned the virtual assistant website, which I think if I saw correctly, you had had for how many years? Yeah, I had that project for nine years. Nine years. So that that project, nine years, and you exited. And over the course of those nine years, plus the sale, you had brought in almost 600000 in revenue, if I recall. Is that correct? Yeah, it was around five fifty, including the proceeds from the sale, okay. which was... You know, throughout that entire time, a very part-time project. And it I was, assume that was a fairly low overhead type company as well. Oh my gosh, it costs next to nothing to run. Um, so your your top line and your bottom line weren't weren't very far apart, right? Where you some people who are like, oh, I ran a seven-figure business, but I you know spent nine hundred and fifty thousand right. dollars on ads yeah. or something. It cost me a million and one dollars to uh, <laughs> produce a million. So, yes. you know. No, it was it was profitable, and that's the thing with all pretty much all these online businesses, where it's like it's not uncommon to run at eighty even ninety percent margins because you have hosting, maybe you have a few team members, virtual team members to help you out, um, and some software tools. Like my biggest expense on a monthly basis uh, today are you know a handful of members of my team and Active Campaign, and it's like that's pretty much it. It's really a low overhead operation. Yeah, whereas manufacturing companies, you're lucky to get 10% to a bottom line. Uh, distribution companies, maybe 30, 40%. Software companies, maybe 50%. But boy, to be able to push 80 to 90% margins, that's a that's a good place to be. Yes, I don't know. <laughs> some friends were like, there's such thing as being too profitable, right? You got to reinvest in the business in some way. And so that's where I've been focusing the last year or two. It's like, okay, what where do you can mean? You... What do they, they mean? It's be, there's things. Why is that negative being too profitable? Well, I'll give you the example in, uh, in the shoe business was heavily reliant on uh, paid traffic, paid ads, uh, you know, for specific models of shoes. We send people right to that landing page, but never reinvested into SEO or organic traffic. And then when eventually the ads became less and less profitable, didn't really have anything to fall back on. And so that's kind of what I'm thinking about in terms of side hustle nations. Like, yeah, things are great today. Google loves you today. But what happens if that becomes less of a thing? So it's, you, you know, this combination of get while the getting's good, but also how can you build that rainy day fund or reinvest yeah, in other traffic false channels? Sense secu- false sense of security kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. So, so you did the... So the online business, so you exited that after nine years, but you said, okay, that then in 2013, you started going there. I interrupted you. Go ahead. Yeah, 2013 was the start of the Side Hustle Nation blog and podcast. And that was just, I uh, thought of myself as a writer first. I had been blogging on a personal domain. And it's like, oh, people will pay attention to this blog because I'm such an interesting person. And I just, <laughs> you know, what ended up happening is because I started the podcast at the same time in that first year, the podcast had probably three times the traction that the blog did. And it was like kind of this weird light bulb moment of like, oh, you know, people are really into this. And I think it's a much more valuable relationship. If somebody spends 
you know, 30, 40, 50 minutes with you in their earbuds and they do it week after week after week. Uh, that's a more, that's a better relationship than somebody, you know, spending three minutes skimming some blog article. And, and I'm like really grateful for the Google traffic that the site gets today, but it's, it's much more transactional versus the podcast listener is more entrepreneurial. It's more long-term relationship. And the cool thing was it didn't even have to be my expertise. It was, it was me pointing the mic at other people for the first 50 episodes. And even today, after 500 episodes, most of them are interview shows. Like, hey, how did you do that? How'd you get your first customers? How'd you come up with that idea? What would you do differently? I love all that stuff. You were ahead of your time, uh, Nick, with, with this, because podcasting in 2013 wasn't very much. How did you know to go that route? You know, the funny thing is, so I just got back from a podcast conference, PodFest in Florida. And, you know, the standard questions that you ask people at a podcast conference, oh, where are you from? What's your show about? Oh, that's cool. How long have you been doing that? And then I have to tell people I've been doing this for nine years. And they're all like, whoa. But the thing is- <laughs> A pioneer in the business. Yeah. I, you know, but it felt crowded then. There were already, you know, probably dozens of entrepreneur interview shows out there. Did the world really need another one? It- you know, the, the landscape has obviously changed since then, but the pool of listenership has also grown. So we've seen the entrance of big money and big media and, you know, these really well-produced shows, but with them, it brought in a lot of new listeners to the fold. So I think there's still plenty of, of blue ocean out there in the podcasting world, but it was just an interesting- You saw traction right away. What, what were you doing back then to start gaining traction on the podcast right you away? Know, traction in quotes, right? Um, right. I was inspired I by- uh, by Pat Flynn, by uh, the Tropical MBA guys, um, which was still like, I think the lifestyle business podcast, uh, you know, back in those early days. And I was like, oh, these guys are doing it. I could do it too. I remember I watched Pat's like, free video tutorial series on how to start a podcast and learned, oh, you need media hosting. And I was like, I, I had no idea. Like, maybe, maybe iTunes hosts this. I don't know how it works. And it was 15 bucks a month. Had it been 25 or 30, like, the show might not exist because I didn't know, you know, what am I committing myself to? Am I going to be able to come up with people to talk to? And I just have to keep paying this in perpetuity if I want the right. show to exist. Yeah. And it was like, okay, 15, but, so, I can so swing it. As that thing, because I think I saw something like your podcast has been downloaded now, what, over 19 million times? Yeah, we just broke 20 million, but it took that's, nine years. And so in the first that's year- incre- That's an incredible number, man. That's a very impressive number. It's it is humbling in a way to. How long are your episodes on average? Uh, they've been creeping a little bit longer. Um, so the standard Thursday episodes, kind of in the fifty to sixty minute range. Fifty to sixty minutes. Wow, that's incredible. Fifty to and you, what did you, what did you guys used to be like around thirty? Yeah, they yeah. were they were shorter early on, and yeah. I've added a a Monday episode that's a little bit shorter, usually kind of in the ten to fifteen range. Because if I th- if you think about sixty minutes, I'm just going to the absolute high end at, at twenty million downloads. I mean, if if people were to listen to the the whole thing, yeah, it's yeah. over a billion minutes, dude, of people listening to your and podcast. that's that and that's that relationship building thing. People do it week after week, and they uh, meet people at events all the time. They're like, dude, I know you don't know me, but I feel like I know you because I listen to you all the time. And it's you can't really. You can't really fake it after 500 episodes. Like that's you know who you that's are true. on air is who you are. That's true. So, okay, so the podcast is going well. You're doing the blog. How do you start monetizing this whole thing? This idea. And again, for let me step back. How do you 
say to yourself, huh, I'm making some money on the side doing these side gigs. I think I could make money helping people make money on the side because that's, let's be honest, that's why you're doing it. This is a business. Um, how did you know that you could start helping people make money on the side? That's always the the joke of how to make money on the internet, you know, tell people how to make money on the internet. It's like this big circular thing. So yeah, I'm totally one of those guys now. Um, but it was right. the, the first thing that I sold was a private mastermind uh, with myself for a hundred bucks a month as, you know, put that out on the podcast into the maybe 700 person email list at the time, got a handful of applications and ran those groups for a couple years actually. And that was the very first thing that I sold outside of, you know, the random Amazon affiliate links on the site. Today, the revenue stool is uh, sponsorships on the podcast has become a pretty big chunk of revenue. Affiliate income from the blog and email list has been, is probably a bigger chunk of the overall revenue. And then historically, the third leg is my own side hustle experiments. And that was one of the uh, hypotheses early on. I'll be the guinea pig. I'll go out and test this stuff. I'll report back on what works, what doesn't. So I would have lumped the virtual assistant site under that third leg of the stool, my uh, self-publishing experiments, uh, the little dabbling with freelancing that I did, the eBay selling, the Amazon selling, all that kind of would be under that third bucket. So that third bucket sticking there, because if you go to your website, you've got 70 things that you can do um, to make extra money. Some of them are very small, like a dollar a day, and some of them could be more lucrative. So are these all things that you or somebody as part of your team have actually tested out? And uh, is there, if somebody just goes there, how do you, how do you know where to start if you're just looking at your website? Yeah, so lists like that is a good place to start. So sidehustlenation.com slash ideas is another good place to start. Just big brain dump laundry list of ideas, hopefully get the creative juices flowing. I've tested a bunch of them personally, but I haven't done every single one where uh, on the ones that I haven't, that's where I rely on the guest interviews. Like, oh, you know, this guy is an expert in flipping random stuff from what he finds at the flea market or the thrift store, or this person started a bookkeeping business on the side. This was the expertise that they kind of went with. This was the additional training that they did. And this is how they got their first customers. And so uh, having the interview show has been, has opened up an uh, opportunity to showcase all these different business ideas. Okay. So somebody wants to work with you again, you've got this thing brewing. What, what happened? How, how did you start monetizing the, this kind of like a consulting business almost you're helping people make money, but you're their consultant. How did you start monetizing this idea? Yeah, so the first thing were those masterminds. Then I started to see some affiliate income through the site. Started to see some affiliate income through the podcast, where we have would have a guest come on, and um, like with Greg Mercer from Jungle Scout, for example, when you know Amazon FBA was kind of just hitting that inflection point. He's like, look, here's how I do profitable product research on Amazon. Step one, step two, step three. And at the end of the show, by the way, I built a software that makes this process seamless and so much easier for you. Here's a special discount code for your listeners. And so started to see the, the light bulb like, oh, you know, people are tuning in. They want to like learn the next steps, take action on that. The challenge is you can't do that every week or else the show becomes this, you know, not so thinly veiled infomercial pitch vest. Mm. So, uh, but for the... I guess what I'm thinking is the monetize. Yes, I know the podcast 
and some of these, but when, when people, when people were going to your website yeah, and they wanted to work with you, Hey, let me, I want Nick and his company to teach me how to do this. Was that mostly then driven through other affiliate sites on your website? I did a little bit of, you know, one-on-one coaching side hustle consulting for a while and, you know, maybe in its peak, it earned a few thousand dollars in a year. It was never really the focus. And I found it was something that kind of stressed me out. Like that one-on-one direct hours for dollars, I felt a ton of pressure to deliver some amazing results when the truth is it sometimes takes a little bit longer than, you know, these weekly or biweekly sessions. And so I found that at the same time that other revenue streams were increasing, that was that was not super painful to put on the chopping block and say, you know what, I don't, this doesn't light me up so much. Right, right. So if somebody goes to your site now, again, you have a a step-by-step process and it's not very many steps. It's basically, hey, step one, give me your email address and join the uh, email list. Step two, subscribe to the podcast. And then it's some other things do this next on, you know, sideways to make money. So what, what happens when some, if somebody is interested and say, hey, man, I'm sitting around, I'm not doing much, I've got a lot of free time, I'd love to make some extra money, I'm not fulfilled, whatever it is, and they go here on your homepage, which is uh, sidehustlenation.com, like you mentioned, forward slash start, and we'll link this in the show notes. Um, what, what's, the, what's the process for them if they do join you? What, what's next? Yeah, I mean, the big thing, and where a lot of people get stuck, is just coming up with that idea. And so... What I'm trying to get across with Side Hustle Nation is, you know, I'm going to showcase hundreds of different ideas, but in a sense, the idea almost doesn't matter. It's taking that first step on whatever idea you, that you choose, because the opportunities and the uh, and the ideas kind of become visible once you're already in motion. And I dismissed that as kind of hippy dippy advice nine years ago or eight years ago when I first heard it too, but I've seen it to be true over and over again from the over 400 guests on the show. The business that they're running today often isn't the business that they started with. And it's like, you know, those little pivots, but it was like that act of getting started, of getting, setting something in motion that led to the next thing that led to the next. It was, I mean, it was a, uh, I was trying to build like a wine related affiliate site where I, you know, came across this uh, site that was like reviewing different wine clubs. They had user-generated uh, reviews and all that. I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. What could I pivot that to? And that was the origins of the virtual assistant review site. Uh, oh, I could review these outsourcing companies and collect other, you know, customer reviews for that. So it's really, you know, starts with that idea. And then it comes down to the marketing and execution. So you see a lot of the content on the site related to, you know, showcasing different business ideas, deconstructing how those work. And then on the marketing side, how did you get customers? How did you get clients? How did you get traffic? All that stuff. I love the geeking out on all things uh, marketing as well. That's interesting. It's a crazy world we're living in with digital marketing and everything's gone digital, even paintings. And nobody wants the real things. They want, they want the NFTs now. So everything's <laughs> digitized. Um, I think I know the answer to this, but I'm going to ask it anyways. What is a common pitfall that causes, hey, I'm, I'm all juiced up. I'm watching Nick's videos on YouTube. I'm on, I just subscribed. He's got 20,000 plus on YouTube. He's got millions of downloads on his podcast. I'm doing all this stuff. I'm going to start doing some side hustle. And then after a period of time, the side hustle goes away because of reason X, Y, and Z. 
what is a what's a common reason that people don't aren't able to succeed in, in the side hustle? One one was the one we just talked about. This like waiting on the sidelines, waiting for the perfect idea, the entrepreneurial inspiration to strike. I see a lot of people kind of stuck in that stage. I see a lot of people, you know, giving up. And giving up is not. It's like well, if something doesn't serve you, then there's no shame in quitting that thing. But trying to figure out the driving motivation or the driving why behind why you're doing this thing. It's like you know, if you're working long hours, you got a long commute, and you got family obligations, and now it's like you know maybe 10:30 at night, and you say like, okay, now I got to fire up the laptop and like do even more work. Like ah, that can be a tough sell. But for a lot of people. And we've heard this from guests on the show. It's like I was afraid to stay where I was, or I was, you know, I asked one person, like, if you, you know, weren't you afraid of making that initial investment in inventory or whatever it was? He's like, Nick, at a certain point, you got to do something, or tomorrow is going to look like today. And I was like, mm. you're, that's totally true. You know, it's the definition of insanity. You know, trying to do the same thing and expect different results. So I see a lot of people kind of, uh, you know, really, you know, not having a strong enough motivation or why behind it. And that's one reason that people quit. And then I would also the- assume, I would also assume Nick, a lot of it's that immediate gratification and they don't see things happening possibly as fast as they'd like to see. And you mentioned that earlier too, or alluded to it. Yeah. And it's just like, Hey, you know, things don't happen overnight. You got to keep grinding the waste. It just, it, momentum doesn't, that's the whole thing about momentum. Momentum takes time. Yeah. It takes time. It's so much easier to go from one to 10 than it is to go from zero to one. It's like, you know, why is takeoff the hardest part of a flight? It takes, you know, a tremendous amount of effort and jet fuel to get something off the ground. Um, And sometimes quite often what you don't see is you don't really even see or feel or you feel frustrated because you kind of feel like you're making progress, but then you're like, no, not really. And then you feel like you're making progress and then no. And then all of a sudden, man, there's usually a, a an inflection point where it's just steady across and then boom and it spikes but again that takes consistency that takes yeah. time and that's putting in the work trying to get that flywheel spin in a little bit yes. one thing that has been helpful for me especially early on i'll share a couple of things one is setting process oriented goals rather than outcome goals because you don't don't always have control over the outcome but if you have process oriented goals like where i'm going to write 500 words a day, or I'm going to make five proactive cold calls today, you know, whatever it is in your business, like something that you have control over, I found that helpful and just kind of heads down, check the box, do the work um, and versus the outcome goal. Like, okay, what, what comes of this? And then the other thing that a guest shared was setting quit dates, you know, punt it out three months in the future, six months in the future. I'm not even going to think about quitting until I reach my arbitrary quit date. And then if I ask myself the question, do I want to keep going? Do I not want to keep going? I can address it then and say, yay or nay. So I thought that was kind of helpful too. And that was kind of with the same thing with the podcast. Like, okay, could I commit to doing this for six months? Could I commit to doing this for a year? And at that point, you know, only 40,000 total downloads in the first 12 months, not a ton of traction, relatively speaking, but I found it was something that I enjoyed doing. I found it was something like, okay, I had a sense of, you know, even though I've We'll never hear from the silent majority of listeners. I felt like there was a sense of community building around this thing. I could see some momentum behind it. It's like, yes, this is a project that's worth pursuing. What's your favorite thing about the podcast? If you had to just pick one thing, what's what's your favorite thing that has come from this? The most 
surprising, unexpected benefit has been building a worldwide network of friends or people who I feel like are friends, uh, listeners of the show, guests of the show. I, 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 for whatever reason, didn't really consider that. Like, oh, if you're going to have a podcast, you got to have to build this audience and those, you know, those little blips on the chart, like those are real people. And so we've been able to hold Side Hustle Nation meetups all around the country, all around the world. The very first one was this guy in Ho Chi Minh City who insisted on taking me out for coffee because he was like a listener of the show and found out that that we were coming to Vietnam. And, you know, so we've been doing that ever since. Like those person-to-person connections are so, so powerful. Yes. When I look at my stuff and I see that... um, my episodes have been played in over a hundred and some odd countries. Who the hell in Guatemala or right. is listening like, to this podcast? World, world domination. I still want to, I mean, it's not a big number, trust me, but there is still people listening in these countries. I'm going, who in Ireland? Hey, if you're in Ireland and you're listening, invite me out there. Let's have a pub. Let's have a cold brew and let's go have some good fun. You know? Yeah. It's incredible. So we were, uh, yeah, so we were in Prague and like this guy, went out of his way, met us at the airport, showed us how the public transportation worked, uh, took a couple of days off of work to show us around town. Well, he knows you really well. I'm sorry. He knows you really well in his mind. Hey, yeah. I, he has a relationship with you, as you mentioned before. These people was, develop a relation, a much more intimate relationship. So this guy who you didn't know from Adam, no, it feels like you're probably like his long lost best friend. It was it was so cool. Like, we'll never forget that. I mean, he invited some of his other like local you know, entrepreneurial friends and we're out of this like absinthe bar. Like, I don't know. It was just, uh, you know, never so stuff like that never would have happened without the power so of cool. the, the podcast or the online business. That's so cool. So neat. You mentioned um, earlier to uh, one of your revenue streams is indeed an in advertising on the podcast. How do you, are you using a, a company to help with the advertise, like an advertised cast with Libsyn, which is my hosting site, or yeah. are you doing it all on your own? Uh, combination. So AdvertiseCast sends me some deals. Some advertisers reach out and we book direct. Um, we've had some deals through gumball.fm recently. Um, there's a there's a bunch of these kind of ad brokerage services and even some kind of like individual people kind of build their own de facto network of podcasts. Say, okay, I can get you, you know, combined with all of these shows that I know in this niche, you can get 150,000 impressions or something. Mm. Um, so lots of different people are sending deals. I mean, the challenge is to find a, a company that you think is a fit and that you're relatively comfortable endorsing because it's like, you know, I have to say no to most of the ones that come across my desk. Cause it's like, it, this might be legit, but I don't know if this, you know, you know, supplement is any good or does what it says they do. Like, so some of them you have to kind of, uh, have some level of curation on. So are you guys charging it? Is it is it CPM? Is that how you're doing it? You do like a cost per thousand listeners? Is that standard? Yes. And so for me, I'm kind of in the 30 to $40 CPM range, which okay. may be high on the front end, but this is evergreen content. I mean, the advertisers want to look at like, you know, your first 30 day downloads, whereas I want to look at my first 24 months downloads. Like, you know, this is... You know, so these shows go on to have fifty, sometimes sixty thousand or more downloads because That's awesome. people continue to cover discover the show. And so it's like, yeah, I, I like to see a big spike in the first thirty days too, 
but it's really the long tail where people go back, they binge on the archives. And so that ad lives in there forever. So hopefully there's yeah. some long tail benefit for the advertiser. That's as well. a good point too, because if you buy an ad space at Super Bowl 55, your ad, <laughs> your ad is very finite. It's, it's, one it's and there and then it's not. Um, you buy ad space on a podcast that could last in perpetuity. I mean, that could last a lifetime. Yeah. So um, you get, are you getting ad deals through AdvertiseCast? I have not even started. Okay. I haven't. I have not done any advertisement monetization with this podcast. I do this truly as a hobby, but it has continuously grown. I'm not anywhere near where you're at in terms of downloads, but um, but it's it's picked up some traction. I've done it all on my by myself. Yeah. So very so, cool. You know, maybe down the road uh, as we continue to get bigger, I'll be looking that route. And what's um, been your favorite part of doing the show so far? Really, the same thing that you said is just being able to connect with people like you, being able to connect with people from all walks of life that have overcome adversities, that have succeeded in business, that have done something unique in their life or in their field. I mean, the vast array of people that I've taught, it's just such a diverse group of people that I've brought on and I've made such great connections. You know, I, I would not have met these people. I wouldn't have learned nearly what I've learned had I not been talking to these people for the last four years. Yeah. So that to me has been so rewarding. Well, I commend you for sticking with it. Most people don't make it that long. Yeah, <laughs> they do. They do five episodes and say, oh, "Crap!" But I got to tell work. you, I got to tell you, man. I would do this stuff. I tell people all the time. They're like, "Hey, how's it going?" You know, I would do this forever. I would do that. I get such enjoyment. I, that's been my favorite part is connecting. But boy, the reason I really—that's been my favorite thing that outcome from it. But the most fulfillment from it, which I'm sure you could relate to, is just having that impact being able to positively impact people, whoever wants to listen, that can walk away with a, a soundbite or some value in their life that they're able to use and improve themselves or, or heal themselves. That to yeah. me is, is uh, that's such a rewarding feeling. Yeah, I have a, a folder in Gmail called the testimonials where people will reach out and they'll, hey, I listened to such and such episode, I started this thing, now I'm making a thousand bucks a month, whatever it is, like, or just even if it could be as simple as I love your show, right? File those away, because I also have a folder called hate mail, where <laughs> people send less nice things. So it's like, okay, helpful to go through the testimonial folder every now what and then. What are people sending you hate mail about? What, what can they be hating you for? Uh, just, you know, this is a scam, this, you know, uh, you know, uh, all I mean, it's the internet, right? So sure. imagine right. a town hey, of 100,000 people. I didn't make my money. You said I was going to make a thousand a month and I haven't made a dollar. And so it's your yeah, fault, yeah. right? Yeah, there's there's that some of that. Thank, thankfully, not that much, but a little bit. Yeah. Um, but you did mention, uh, you, you mentioned the number of downloads and how it is, it, it's a long lasting. Oh, what I was going to say was to that is that, you know, like you said, people, you want to look at the first 24 months. What's always interesting is, when you look back at an episode all of a sudden, six months, 12 months, 15 months after you had released it, and then all of a sudden it's getting some wild traffic. I, I assume you've gotten that before. There's some, especially on YouTube, which is the weird thing. So for uh, for several years, I've just pushed every episode over to YouTube, placeholder image, roll the tape from the podcast, pretty crappy video experience, right? Most of those understandably didn't do very well, but a handful of those have tens of thousands of views. I think one is at 175,000 views now. It just, you never know what's going to pop. You never know where your next 
the listener is going to find you. Your next big fan is going to find you. And so just so trying to cast a wide net and some of these ones, you know, even years ago, you know, they still get listens over there on YouTube. So that's a little bit more evergreen of a platform than just podcast because it's like buried, buried, buried in the podcast feed and search and discovery is not so strong. But where I see it on the blog side is I can kind of direct people to really good archive episodes. Like in those list posts, you say, hey, you know, this person did start their bookkeeping business. Here's the link to go check it out and learn more. Or this person did start their, you know, flipping products business. Here's the link to go check it out and learn more. That's interesting. That's fascinating stuff and uh, continued success to you. Um, where we, we mentioned your website and that's sidehustlenation.com, which we will link you up in the show notes. Where else do you want people to find you online? I mean, that's, that's the home base, sidehustlenation.com slash ideas, like we mentioned, good place to start to get those creative juices flowing. And of course, we'd love to have you tune into the Side Hustle Show podcast in your favorite podcast app. Hey, man, this is great stuff. I'm happy to connect with you. I hope that I'm at uh, 19 million downloads one day or 20 million. You said you just crossed over. So congratulations. That's a fascinating uh, stat. And Keep at it. You'll get there. Yeah, thank you. And uh, like I said, continued success to you and uh, wishing you all the best. All right. Thanks, Nate. Thank you, everybody, for listening to another episode of the Optimal Life Podcast. If you haven't yet, please subscribe and follow the podcast wherever you're listening. And you could also leave a review. Apple Podcasts, of course, you could leave reviews and ratings. Spotify, you could leave reviews and ratings. And several and many other podcast apps, wherever you may be listening, Please tell a friend, tell a family member, let them know about the podcast, and we will see you next time.